Queen Topic. Hi. How are you? Fine, thank you. Nice to finally meet you virtually yeah. and see your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so great to meet you as well. Blessing. Thank you for having me on. Oh, uh, nice to have you here. Give me a minute to pin the topic. How to find yeah, your? Yeah, for sure. Everyone can check out my uh, quarantine hair in the meantime. Look at how ridiculous this is getting. It's looking good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I'm almost done with this. All right. Tom Ross Media. Perfect. Yeah, this is going to be a fun topic, though. Yes, it will be. I'm so excited. How's it been with BizBuds? I listened to your last podcast. It was super fun. Uh, it's, I'm having a blast, honestly. Mike and I love doing this show. And the community around it is just getting insane. Like, yeah. in the last month, the listeners, um, the downloads doubled. And so many people are messaging us and tagging us up in the stories. So we're very grateful for every single BizBuddy out there. Aww. One of the cool things I actually love about your podcast is how you guys start on your lives. So you start on lives and then you whet our appetites and make us feel like, oh my God, we're going to miss out on so much. And then you move into the podcast. Like you create this anticipation. And so that's super cool. Well, I have to say, I love everything you're doing with the Instagram lives. You've had some great people on. I'm really humbled to join you today. And yeah, I, I just so love, I love the value you're putting out for the community. It's very cool. Oh, that is so nice. Thank you. So Tom, go right ahead. Tell everyone about you, about design cards, you know, like just give it, give it to us. Yeah. Like I've been a long time entrepreneur, creative designer since I was about 12 years old. And the last seven years I've been running one of the largest creative marketplaces in the world, which is design cards. My side hustle around that is helping my fellow creatives with their marketing and business stuff. Cause I am the biggest geek about this stuff. I love it. I get such a, a buzz, such a high out of helping other people yeah. with it. And so that's why I spend a lot of my spare time doing that. But today I just want to over deliver, to be honest. I want to give as much value. Hopefully we'll get some questions and do some Q and A. Um, and every single person joining live right now, stick around. We're going to make it a value pack session. Yay. So my name is Blessing for your audience. My name is Blessing and I'm a branding and communications manager. And all I just simply do is I help you find the value that you have to offer and help you communicate it. It's that simple. So I'm so excited that Tom said yes to me. And today we'll be talking about helping you find your true fans. So Tom, could you give us like a little bit of background on who our fans are because I know some people got confused it's like I'm not a celebrity yet why do I need fans blah 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 yeah. so please help us through that well I'm sure you and, and many other people watching are starting to become increasingly aware of the the true fans methodology this was um, kind of really pushed by Kevin Kelly many years ago with the thousand true fans methodology yeah. and Everyone's now kind of saying this stuff, which is completely right, saying, you know, it's not how many people you have, it's how much they care and, you know, get your thousand true fans or your 100 true fans. Um, so it is starting to enter the public consciousness more. But this has really gone on for me for a very long time, because what I did back in the day was I started a Photoshop blog. And at that time, no one was talking about true fans. They were just talking about, you need more traffic, you need more hits, yeah. you need more likes, more followers. <laughs> um, that's what all the marketing teachers out there were pushing. So I followed their advice and I did it pretty well. And my blog ended up getting 15 million visitors over the space of a few years. So I really kind of nailed the traffic piece. 
but at the end of it you know I built a bit of a business but it wasn't really as large as it should be with numbers like that it felt kind of hollow to be honest with you blessing I yeah. felt like I had these millions of people and why can't I turn this into a real big sustainable business why can't I really pay you know my life with this and, and it was more like a part-time income almost um, and that's when I realized this is just a big empty number it's a vanity metric um, it's completely meaningless that 15 million it means nothing I used to you know go around and tell my friends I can't believe I hit a million visitors on my blog guys and feel super proud and by the end of it I just felt kind of sick you know I was like I've been duped I've been deluded into thinking this is what I should be chasing um, yeah. and it was around that time I started to educate myself in the notion of true fans and I realized well actually my business here is being sustained by a very very small number of people not the 15 million visitors many of whom would hit the site and bounce straight away and I kind of thought that was like a traffic metric it wasn't you know it meant nothing it was being sustained by the small core community um, some of whom are still fans today, you know, like 15 years on. So um, that really, really taught me how little vanity metrics matter and how much true fans matter. So when I started Design Cuts, my company, seven years ago, I didn't even have a business plan. I didn't have revenue goals, profit goals. I didn't have any of that. My one aim was I want to create the most engaged community online. I didn't mm -hmm. care how big it was. I just wanted those people to care because I didn't want that painful feeling where I had the big audience and no one gave a crap about me, you know? Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want that hollow, empty feeling again. So what I did was I started the community and, you know, we had like 40 Facebook fans and then 100 customers, 200 customers. It started pretty small. I became best friends with every single one of them. I was like emailing them every day not customer support issues, like chatting, mm -hmm. learning about their families and their hobbies, what makes them tick. And we just became really good friends. And so to this day, we've scaled out now. We have a team of 20 people. You know, we've got 550,000 customers. And I still have those people crop up in the comments in our live streams where they're like, yeah, like, I remember chatting with Tom seven years ago. Oh, that um, is so cute. They're still my people. And and when you have those true fans, they're the catalyst for everything else because they were the ones that spread the word and, and you know, told their friends and really helped the business catch fire. Um, it was all just that small group of, of early fans where I just went super deep, built those relationships. I think that the first set of people you have in your life are like the most important set of people. And so it's really, I, I personally love personalized events. I love personalized communities. I love communities that are niche and small. So funny enough, a personal story. I, when I was getting married, I was like, why do I want a big wedding? So Tom, you may not know this, but Nigeria and weddings are like, <laughs> there are no words it's like your weddings have to be large you know yeah especially if you live in lagos like it's a whole thing like nigerian wedding is a whole industry of its own right and <laughs> i looked at my life and i'm like i'm not this person i am i don't want to be at a wedding where i don't know half the people i'm looking at i don't know who they are they don't know me some of them just barely know someone else that knows you know you don't want that you want personalized okay. experiences and that has been something that has followed me throughout my life you know so everywhere i go i'm thinking i want personalized experiences so the very first time on social media i was like oh shit i want followers and then i asked myself what exactly am i doing with the 
5,000 I already have. Why do I want more? Have I been able exactly to touch that. the lies? Have I been able to do anything? Like, you know? And so that moment was really defining for me, knowing that I wanted to bring my normal life, like my personalized niche conversations to Instagram and replicate it. It was amazing because then people started talking to me. Then I got comfortable talking to people. I could send you voice notes. It was personal. People couldn't believe that she, I, I was DMing them, you know, to say hi. And they'd be like, is this a bot? Is this like, what's going on? And so that is, sort of, that is sort of like a very cute thing that you can do at the beginning of your life to say, or rather at the beginning of your life on, on the internet to say, I want to have my smallest viable audience, the people who are my people. And those people will speak for you anywhere, right? So now I'm blabbing on and I'm talking a lot and sharing my own story. It is super important for you to now then tell us how do we identify our first true fans? Well, first of all, you've made me want to go to a Nigerian wedding because that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> it's like a festival, no joke. Yeah, I saw I someone in the comments was like, festival wedding. <laughs> we, we actually have um, one of our team members at my company. She had a thousand people at her wedding. And she said people were like trying to get to the food and like barging her out the way not realizing she was the bride she didn't even know who they were <laughs> so <laughs> sounds kind of fun though if you're a guest at least. Yeah. um but yeah true, true fans i i love that example um and you just asked how how do you kind of recognize who those early true fans are and i think it's actually pretty simple you look for indicators of people who are interested in what you're doing and these are very small at the start, you know, when you first start a community, first start putting out content, you get very few likes, very few comments, that kind of thing, very few story views. And so it's very easy to spot the people who are slightly interested. It could be as simple as they follow you, right? When you've got four followers and you get your fifth follower, yeah. and I'll get to how in a sec, they're a potential true fan, right? When no one else on the internet knows who you are or cares, those yeah. five followers count when people like your content, when people comment, for sure. And I think what most people do is they put out content, um, they get a few likes and feel despondent about that. They think, why have I only got 12 likes? I deserve more, right? And they're ignoring the 12 people that bothered to actually stop in their busy day and like their content. Or they're ignoring the two comments that they've got in the comment section. What you need to do is actually reach out to those people, engage on their stuff, build relationship, DM them, thank them if someone comments on your stuff like their comment respond back to it in an insightful way go to their profile comment on a few of their posts in a non-spammy helpful valuable friendly normal human way and then dm them and be like hey thanks so much for messaging or rather thanks so much for commenting on my stuff i appreciate it strike up a conversation and make friends just do that over and over and over again that's what I did. Everyone's so reactive. They're just always pushing content out there yeah. and they're waiting for people to come to them. You need to just see these little identifiers of interest and then you need to go to those people one by one by one. You put the effort to go to them. Yeah, I tell people all the time that if you, stay, if you were born and you stayed in your house all through your life, nobody's going to know you. So you have to make the effort to go to a school, you have to go to a church, you have to go to another community to find middle points, you know, find people like you to make friends, to be able to expand your reach. So you can't just post things and wait for people to come to you. You can also find people 
that you're interested in and then have conversations with them. One key tip yeah. that I used to do back then was every time somebody commented on my post, I would ask you a follow-up question or like instigate a whole conversation. Like we're just meeting for the first time. And that truly showed interest because I wasn't faking it. I really, truly cared about them. So up to the next question. But before I ask you that, I'll ask you something random. People, guys, feel free to ask questions in the comment box. We will take all those questions right after my questions because I'm the host. <laughs> <laughs> She's got the power right now, guys. Um, although yeah, yeah. I, I'm seeing, like, I don't know if you notice this blessing, but people are very fleeting on Instagram lives, right? They don't yeah. stick around. It's, it's the nature of the platform. You drop in for 10 seconds uh, and then you leave. We got some good retention right now. So I'm glad if people are enjoying it, Aww. get your questions. I want to help every single person in the comments section right now. So don't Tom drop in for 10 seconds. <laughs> Thank you so much. But on a, just like on a very sidebar note, how do you stay consistent with the stuff that you do? Because I know you do a lot of things. How do you stay consistent? Uh, I get help, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've been talking so much about delegation um, today, especially. So um, people often say, how do I put out so much content and cross platform and stuff? I have to give credit to the team that I've built around me. Even with my personal brand, I have three contractors now. I just hired a virtual assistant. I got an audio video guy. I got a designer and they're awesome. So what I do on Sunday uh, evening, normally, because <laughs> I run behind with it, I spend one hour and I write out a week's worth of Instagram posts. And because I, I love this stuff, it just comes straight out the top of my head. I write it down, done, content done, five posts in one hour. Yeah. Then my designer gets that. She takes it. She makes the slides and the posts and does all that kind of stuff. And then pretty soon my assistant's going to download the post, do the hashtags, publish it for me. She already takes that same content, repurposes it, publishes it on my LinkedIn. So one hour of my time coming up with a few ideas turns into five bits of content, which go on multiple bits of uh, platforms. That's how I do it. Like, it's just scaling my time. Uh, that is super smart. That is smart. That is so smart. It's, well, it's, it's necessary. It's necessary. And, and people get intimidated, right? I understand not everyone can afford to do that. And I certainly didn't at the start. But I've had three conversations with friends today who are making 60 grand a year, 100 grand a year, and 350 grand a year. And they're doing it all themselves and none of them have delegated at all and they refuse to right it's crazy yeah. when i even when i used to run my blog in the early days of it when i was broke i had one person who i delegated a task to that took one hour and it was just one hour a month that was it but it was a task i didn't enjoy i delegated it at the time it was like upwork or something like that and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it. I'm pretty sure I paid like $3.50 or something at the time because that was like the going rate on this Fiverr-style website, right? I was like, yeah. oh, all the assistants are super cheap on here. Cool, I'll try that. So it cost me $3.50 a month. And I had this hour of arduous work, which I used to hate doing. And I never worried about it again. It ran for two years like clockwork. I just forgot about it. So yeah. I think everyone can delegate. You can get one less takeout one less Starbucks coffee and get a shitty task off your plate forever. Just automated. Sorry for swearing. Um, I, someone, I don't want to be disrespectful. Asking, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's okay. Someone was asking if you do not have the funds to afford 
the delegation? Yes. What then do you do? Okay. My quick answer would be partnerships, but I mean, you try. Um, yes, partnerships, also batching, right? So um, like I say, the majority of time I've been building stuff up, I have done it myself historically. And the smartest way to work is not like just jumping between things, it's doing it in batch. So you sit down and say, right, I'm gonna come up with content ideas for two hours straight every weekend. I'm gonna design for a full day and I'm gonna you know, design enough stuff for the whole week. Trying mm -hmm. to fit it all in between 100 things is an inefficient and stressful way to work. So if people wanna get a head start and feel more in control, they need to time block and they need to batch and it's such a game changer. That's so true, actually, that's working for me right now. Um, a lot of things that I do on my Instagram, I do myself. So key things I've been able to do is I automate. So automation is necessary. I mean, if you work for yourself, that's like your virtual assistant. So automate, yeah. find templates, find first, use your Google calendar or whatever calendar you use to remind mm. you of the activities that you need to do per time. Then um, automate, find templates that can work for you. So you don't have to keep recycling and rethinking about different things. So if you already have colors, like your brand colors, you already have your fonts, you already have those kind of things in mind. You wouldn't have to start thinking from scratch again. Um, yeah. Yes, partnerships, always great, you know. I mean, Chris Do is, um, Chris Do is doing that right now where people are doing like guest posts on his platform and he doesn't have to create himself anymore. I saw one of your guest posts. That was super cool, actually. Thank the you. one with the ladder. And yeah, so, yeah. could you give my guys tips on how to get featured on Chris Do's page? Um, to be honest, go read his tips. He did a post saying, here's how to apply for a guest post. So if you want to do one, just follow the tips, make it beautifully designed. I, I think a good tip if you want to guest post is really absorb the style of their page and see what types of posts are engaging particularly well. So I've reached back out to Chris and said, well, that post did pretty well, but I've noticed these types of posts are crushing it for you right now. So how about I try again and I'm going to try and do a post like that? And he was like, yeah, cool, do it. That's amazing. Guys, see, this wasn't part of the conversation. I just gave you this one for free. All right, so back to the conversation yeah, about plans. Yeah, can I touch on automation for a second? Super sure, quick. Um, yeah. So I think that is such an excellent point of yours to save time for people and it costs nothing, right? Um, because with BizBuds, the podcast I do with Mike, I used to record that, have to hit stop, wait for it to finish saving and exporting, come back later, get the file, remember to go and upload it or send it to my, uh, my podcast editor. And it took a while. Right now, I record the podcast with them, I hit done, and I just walk away and forget about it. And it now automatically syncs with a shared Dropbox folder where our podcast editor gets it. So all of these little like having to remember stuff, it's all automated. And automation is like delegation. It's like you just hired a robot to do it for you. That's amazing. So we're coming back to fans now. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how do you get your first fans? Um, so I truly believe that if you're putting out good content, you can get some level of engagement. Like I say, even if you're getting three likes on a post or one comment, I would take those early people and I would start doing the engagement I talked about before. The best way to build fans and build community is one by one. And everyone always thinks so scalable, you know, I got to try and go viral. I got to get reshared. You know, I, I got to crack the hashtag code or whatever. The people are already there. 
showing that they're interested in what you're doing in some propensity. So go direct to them, like we talked about before, one by one relationship build, and then see how far you can push that. So I talked about this in a recent post. It's not just making friends, it's trying to bring them value. And the way I think about this is, the less leverage you have, the more value you have to provide to build fans. Yeah. So let me give you an example of that. I follow Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And if I commented on his thing and he commented back, I guarantee I would like screenshot that. I would probably send it to my friends. I'd share out my stories. I'd be like, holy crap, The Rock acknowledged me. Like, boom, I'd have that shit framed on my wall, right? It would be crazy. It would Mm -hmm. make me a fan. And it would just take him two seconds to do that comment. So very small action, but because of his profile and his leverage, he has to do less to get me as a true fan. When you're starting out and you have no profile and no brand equity and no leverage, you have to work much harder to create the fans. And so how does this look in real life? For me, I had that very small group of people who were kind of you know, showing some interest, commenting, showing a bit of support. And I thought, these are my people. I need to engage with them. I organized a group coaching call with those people where I coached them for two hours every single week for seven months. Wow. Right? Ridiculous. Because at this point, I already have some leverage, right? I built a seven-figure company. I have brand equity, but I didn't really have the big personal brand thing happening. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm starting from square one. I'm going to eat humble pie here. I'm going to forget any success that I've built. I'm going to start from scratch and I'm just going to give and give and give and take that to the extreme. And funny enough, after seven months of coaching those seven people, they were massive true fans. They start telling their friends and it starts building again. But like, oh man, like if you look at the hourly rate of that, zero on the surface level of it, right? I enjoyed it a ton. It made me a better coach, made me a better mentor. I made some great relationships. My designer now, Teresa, she was one of those seven people. And now we work together. Um, And so when people like refuse to even acknowledge someone in the comments, or they're like, oh, it's too much work to message my 52 followers a nice message. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I was flat out killing myself running my company and I still made two hours every week for seven months for free because these people left me a few nice comments on Instagram. That's how disproportionately I went with the whole leverage balance of my time. Um, And now as things start to build, you know, that I can create fans in other ways where I might not have that much time to leverage anymore. But if I give someone a reshare or I shout them out or whatever, it has more impact than when I had 12 followers. Yeah. I mean, like you coming on my live right now, that is a lot. Well, it's my my pleasure and it's a lot that you invited me to be honest because I love what you've been doing with them. Thank you. So now that I have 52 followers, I may be able to recognize that a couple of people are not following me because of the value that I have to share. What do I do? Do I have to take them out? Do I involve them? Do I change my content style to fit what they want? What do I really do? Okay, so there there were a few questions there. When you say they're not following you for the value, are you talking about bots or like people that just, you know, don't oh, no. seem like a good so fit? So different, different levels, right, that I've noticed. So I'm asking you questions I know a lot of people have been asking me. So a lot of times they come to me and they're like, oh, blessing, I have 100 followers and 
do not engaging with my I don't want to call it value, but let's say my business kind of content, you know, my kind of tips. They're not engaging yeah. with my tips. I'm a fashion designer, but they're not engaging with my tips. And most times it's because they've already created, like they're following you because they're your friends, maybe, you know, they're following you because they're your friends. And now you're posting all this stuff about fashion and that's not why they're following you. Do you unfollow your friends or do you try to find the balance or do you create a whole new page? Um, Okay, so there's a few things here. First of all, people often think they have sucky engagement and they don't. They're just being kind of ungrateful, to be honest. They're like, oh, this sucks. I only got 12 people commenting on my post. My engagement's super low. Um, but they've got like 300 followers. It's like, what do you expect? I mean, look, look at the gigantic accounts out there. You've got Gary Vee um, with nearly 10 million followers who gets 1,000 comments on most posts. And if my math is correct, that's like 0.01% mm -hmm. um, of his audience. Maybe, maybe there's an extra naught, I suck at maths, but you get the point. Like as a ratio, it's very, very low, right? And so I've had a number of people say that to me, oh, my engagement's so low. I'm like, no, it isn't. It's way higher than average. That's just the nature of the platform. Like think of your behavior on Instagram, everyone watching live right now. You scroll, you scroll, you scroll aimlessly for hours on end. How often do you actually stop and like something and leave an insightful comment? Pretty much never, right? It okay. generally never really happens. And so if the behavior was that people commented on every single post they saw, well, yeah, maybe we'd have higher engagement. But like, I, I think we need to be grateful for what we have. I think don't dwell on the people that aren't the right fit. There's a lot of people I know who are like manually going through and deleting bots and stuff like that. And whilst I wish there was an easy way to get rid of bots and, and people that weren't your true fans, I don't dwell on them. I'm like, I could spend my life down the rabbit hole of focusing on the people that aren't for me, but I should be focusing my energy on the people that are for me. So don't even worry about the people that aren't for you. For the people that are showing up in the comments and are liking your stuff and are in the DMs, just go all in on trying to serve them. Oh, wow. That is, that is profound. <laughs> that is profound guys if there is anything you're getting out of this is be grateful be grateful for the people you have in your community at the moment it's you like have so to fun. you have to like if people um check out my story highlights after this live if anyone's interested i got a story highlight called instagram go on that and you will see a pinned post um that's talking about messaging every single one of your followers and I got one of my coaching students, Vanessa, to do this when she had like 672 followers, I think. And it took her a couple of days. She went through, she left comments, thanks so much for following, I appreciate you. Got into a bit of a chat. From my experience, when people do this, they get about a 40% response rate of people yeah. being like, oh, that means so much, you reached out to me. Yeah, I love your content. Some of them are just a quick like, thanks for reaching out. Um, other people might not get back at all and other people get back and it becomes a friendship. It becomes an ongoing conversation. And some of those people become true fans. So I think if people really want to, you know, build relationship, build fans, reach out to every single person following you today, one by one by one and start talking to them and watch your DM inbox go from zero to exploding with life and relationships and conversations. Like that's how you get it. Thank you. That is, that is a great tip. I mean, gosh, we're learning so much. So <laughs> next question. 
by the way, I need to say that I didn't write any of these questions down. I, they're just questions I recognize from my community, and I'm just sharing them. I mean, it's nice to have a fresh perspective beyond just my voice all the time. So thank you it's so a, much, it's Tom, a nice again. Voice, though. Like <laughs> Thank <natural> you. Host. <laughs> I should put it to good use. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> next question would be around um, understanding the difference between your followers, your fans, and your clients. Mm -hmm. Please help explain to my people that followers, fans may not necessarily equal clients. Like, how do people get to identify their clients from their follower pool? Sure. So, um follower count for Fun me cool. means very little really um you know it's how, how much of that follower base is active it's that active audience i talk about that a lot that's the number i'm chasing um so i wouldn't think so much about followers in general but i also talk about them being relevant which in the case of client services you obviously want to try and attract clients because what often happens is you attract your peers fellow creatives and it's great for the ego that a thousand of your friends are telling you what a great logo you designed, but then that's not paying the bills. Likes aren't paying the bills, right? So I think the way to identify who your clients are is by defining who your clients are, right? So a lot of people, they haven't properly done that. They don't really know. If they're able to say, well, my ideal client is a pizza restaurant within 100 miles of my home, it makes it a lot easier to say, oh, cool, yeah, I got three of those in my comment sections every day. They're the people I'm going to focus on. So step one, you know, this is marketing, right? Step one of marketing always has to be to find the people you actually want to sell to and, and serve and bring value because otherwise you're shooting in the dark. That is, that is profound. <laughs> I, I should come on these more often, blessing you. Uh, you yeah. should. You're giving me a nice ego boost on a Friday. <laughs> I'm killing my I'm killing my role here. Like I'm doing my job, and I'm proud of myself. <laughs> you are. You're not like one of these hard hitting uh, political correspondents where you just grill me and give me a hard time. So <laughs> <laughs> <all> positive vibes. <laughs> so here we are talking about getting the fans, but how about being the fans? So what? How do we be great fans to the people we truly love and care about? How do you show up for the people we love and care about? Um, well, the same way we hope people show up for us. What makes us feel good? It's generally when people support and engage and share and, and are cheerleaders for us. And so just think, what makes you feel good? Is it when someone leaves you supportive comments, sends you a nice DM, shares your work with others, puts you in their stories, likes your content, introduces you to mutual acquaintances because they think it's going to help you? All that kind of stuff is what you should be applying to other people. And when Mike and I talked about cultivating true fans on BizBuds recently, that was one of our first points. If you want to attract true fans, be a true fan. And I, she was in the comments before, I think, that Jackie, one of my community from Lake House Designs, unbelievably good at doing that. She's such a great fan. Um, and she shows up for so many people and so many people, you know, they just think so fondly of her. I know I do, you know, I just feel so supported by her. She motivates the hell out of me to keep doing what I'm doing. And so I want to be her fan and I champion her and I shout her out because she's awesome. Great. Actually great. <laughs> <sighs> 
I have one last question before I start taking everyone. No, 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 not one question. I have like two more questions before I start taking everybody else's questions. Cool. So how do you handle burnout? I know you already touched on it by delegating, obviously, but do you still have burnout even with delegation and how do you handle it? There's a few ways. Um, I'm prone to burnout because I'm a workaholic and I am so passionate about what I do. I put a tweet out yesterday saying that the reason I work so hard and I can is because I get high off of it. Like I literally get like adrenaline coursing through my veins, hyperactive, bulging eyes, like, like right now, um, you know, it's glorious sunshine outside and I love the sun. It would be lovely to be out there, you know, drinking a margarita and sunbathing right now. I could talk to you for the next nine hours straight about this and I have to fight the urge not to talk because I want to be respectful <laughs> and because you make fantastic points and I want to hear your points, but I could speed talk at you for nine hours right now. I love it. So for me, I have to fight to actually rest and have balance and that kind of thing. It's the eternal struggle. And the way I do that is um, I rely on my fiance because she keeps me level. So I'll be here working away and she's like, come to bed. You need to get some rest. <laughs> and I learned to listen to her self-awareness because you can only go through the same distractive uh destructive rather pattern so many times before you start stopping yourself earlier so when it's like i know if i i really want to keep doing this or keep working but i know if i do i'm going to make myself sick and that's happened 15 times already so this time i'm going to check myself earlier right mm -hmm. um and then one of the other big things i do is i have like a checklist where i know that i need to hit those things to avoid burnout. So as long as I'm like not working more than 14 hours a day, um, I and I don't do that every day, but that's like my limit, right? If I start doing 16 hour days, I'm dead. Um, I have to get eight hours sleep. Um, I have to exercise. I have to stop and actually have lunch and not work straight through lunch. I have to drink enough water. There's about 10 things on this checklist. And if I do them all, I'm great. And whenever I feel like crap and start burning out, it's because that list has started slipping and I've started to ignore it again. That is, there's something super amazing that you just talked about now. Sorry, I say super a lot, especially when I'm impressed. So that's <laughs> a compliment. Right. So, so does Mike Jander when we're podcasting. He's like super <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so um, a lot of us put activities on our to-do list, like activities that are high-flying activities, things we want to achieve, but we don't put a lot of, mental health related or self-regulating related activities on the to-do list so it's really nice that you say that you have checklists to ensure that hi did i work for 14 hours today or did i work too much this week and you just sort of have yeah. that awareness to always revisit that is so cool so it's an interesting question actually i um i think i'm publishing it in a week or something but i wrote a post uh saying what if we treated self-care like a business because, you know, you and I, we're very passionate. We get really focused. We plan our businesses. We have a great strategy. We set goals and KPIs and how we're going to achieve things and roadmaps and all that good stuff. Imagine if we did more of that way of thinking and that level of focus with our self-care. I don't want self-care to always be sidelined or be the secondary, you know, aim for us. What if we actually had goals for self-care and we had checklists that we had to work through and we celebrated achievements and we grew our amount of self-care over time the same way we're growing our businesses? I can't wait to see this post, ebook. What's it going to be? 
uh, it's just an Instagram post, I think, yeah. I can't wait. I'm going to share it. Hold me to my word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And then um, with regards to COVID, yes. it's affecting every single person out there. The pandemic is crazy. How has it affected you and what have you done to sort of regulate, you know, and keep in business? Um, so I'm very, very blessed. And I keep saying I'm so grateful to be in an online business right now, first and foremost. And it makes me happy because all day long I'm talking to people we partner with, YouTubers, bloggers, artists, online entrepreneurs, and the majority are actually doing well. They're almost benefiting because more people are at home consuming their content yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, so that makes me very happy. But I have family members and loved ones who are struggling, like really struggling. You know, my dad was worried he was going to go out of business uh, before some government aid kicked in and it, it's scary times. So I have enormous empathy for everyone struggling. Um, but I do think that times like this, whether it's a pandemic or a global recession or, or depression, it kind of forces focus and it forces people to be more entrepreneurial in their approach. Like I've mm -hmm. been so inspired by those stories. There's a girl in my apartment blog who was laid off as a professional chef who is now making um, custom cookie dough and cookies and selling that around town in a safe oh, wow. way. Um, so she started like a home business because she didn't want to sit at home watching Netflix. And it's amazing. Like one of my coaching students, Vanessa, she, she really went through a tough time with COVID. She's in Australia. Her husband, I believe, lost his job. Her flatmate couldn't pay the rent because of the situation. So she had to shoulder all the rent herself. And she'd been working super hard, grinding it out, and started seeing some traction with in-person workshops. Suddenly this came along, all the workshops just were over, right? So she had a bit of a freak out for a week, but then she got herself together and she had a great idea for how to shift her workshops online. And she's just completed her 100th um, student, I believe, um, who signed up. And she's seeing more success than she ever did before the mm -hmm. pandemic. And she's now so pumped about this. She's so like inspiring and she's got this great, great path ahead of her now. But it's because she took stock and she was like, how am I gonna adapt? And that's the key thing, we have to adapt we can't just go into paralysis mode. We can't go into paralysis mode. I would not forget that. So yeah. now, guys, it's time for your own questions. So first, there's a question here that says, what are the best automation tools to use? Um, I mean, honestly, a lot of them, like my one I mentioned, Dropbox Sync, is very handy. We use monday.com for project management, um, and that actually has a bunch of automation um, built in um there's one that's called, that says um if this then that i think it's yeah. called so it literally says like if this happens then this needs then to that, happen yeah. and you can connect different apps zapier's one as well so you can get a lot of your apps talking to each other um and also as well as automation look at your tasks and ask yourself like what if i stop doing that what would really really happen right and if the answer is not a lot well, don't automate that. Just get rid of it. There you go. In the words of Frozen. Okay, so there's a question here saying, as you grow, your fans grow. Can you still work at it? Can you still work a one-on-one -on -one with your fans? The numbers are huge. Okay. 
So I think yeah. the person is asking it. Yeah, so I, I guess you get the question. Yeah, yeah. So great question. Um, the answer is yes and no. So what I can't do now is with uh, 37,000 followers, I can't go and DM every single one, of course. But within any following, even a gigantic one, like some of my friends have half a million followers on Instagram and stuff, they still have a small group of core fans, right? So they might only have 200 people in the comments. And most of those comments are like a thumbs up or whatever. So out of those 200 comments, there's maybe 20 that are really insightful and just cheerleading for them every single day. So you can still just look after those 20 people, maybe get them in a group DM and give them some extra value or share their stuff more disproportionately and, and support them in some different ways. And also when you have more people, you have to apply a filter. You need to, you can essentially make people work harder to show their fandom. So to explain what I mean, in the early days, you take anything you can get, right? Someone liked my post and I'm making best friends with them. But now I can't go and do that with every person liking my post. So what I do do is I, um, I have my newsletter. And when people join my newsletter, they get an invitation to join a private subscribers only Facebook group. And so it kind of filters people down. I got my Instagram, the people that are engaged enough newsletter, people that are engaged enough Facebook group. Facebook group. And now I'm about to start doing private webinars once a month for the Facebook group where I answer all their questions and teach them extra stuff because they've shown that they are engaged enough and care enough to filter down that far. They're where my time goes because I have to unfortunately ignore the other 37,000 people because I can't physically cater to everyone. So I have to choose. That's a great tip. All right. So this question says, I get more like to my comments, but no followers. What am I doing wrong? uh so yeah so people are commenting uh, and not getting followers so what i would say is quite often um people do comment because they want you to follow them right so i see this all the time i, I even know a lot of um a lot of people in my comment section are doing so just for exposure and to try and get awareness in the community and no hate on that it's a great way to get followers but I know they're not my true fans and in many cases they haven't even followed me kind of thing. So don't feel bad, don't judge yourself, don't think you're putting out bad content. That's just kind of part of the platform. It's a separate issue as to why you're getting no followers. That will come down to your content and your distribution and you need yeah. to focus on them in that order. Make your content better, make it more unique, more valuable, more different, more impressive, you know, whatever it is it needs to really, really serve the audience that you've hopefully defined for it to go after. When you start making better content, that's the most powerful thing you can do to increase your following. I know when I put five times the amount of effort into my content, that's where my Instagram started to blow up last year. I just tried harder, I put more effort into it. So first and foremost, content and then distribution. How, how are you gonna get that quality content in front of more of the right eyeballs? And I'm pretty, it may not have even been published yet, but we did a whole biz buds on this. So I would listen to that when it comes out. But, you know, right now I'm guest posting. People on this live, right? There's going to be some of your following who've never heard of me. And hopefully they like what we're talking about. They're going yeah. to go check me out, follow me. I'm getting exposure in front of someone else's audience. It's distribution. That's going to help my following to grow. Um, I think... I think when we're talking about time management, there's something I wanted to talk about and I quickly forgot, I don't know why, and it was repurposing content. 
So a lot of people are super crazy about creating content all the time and they're not looking back at the content they have created to see what they can make out of it. So if you want to be on multiple platforms, sometimes look out for opportunities where you can repurpose the content that you have already created. So you could turn your content into podcasts, you could turn your content into videos, you could pick out topics within the topic you just talked about and talk about something else, you know, just be creative. It will save you a lot of time. And if you find that people are very interested in what you're talking about, I mean, reiterate it a little bit more. Don't beat a dead horse and try not to... Um, I think there's this thing also that people ask me, how do you create content? It's really simple. Just by listening to your followers' questions, mm -hmm. by just answering your followers' questions, you, you solve a lot of problems. Yeah, I totally agree. I've got some random props here. So these are, these are tops of these uh, chili bottles, okay? So... <laughs> This is how I think about it. We got, I, I'm going to try and hold this in a shot. This is going to be really hard. In fact, screw that. I'm going to do it with my fingers. Um, so you've got three types of content, right? You've got the content, which is doing well. Do mm -hmm. more of that. You've got the content that doesn't do so well. So either improve it or stop doing that. And then you've got new content. This should be your experimental stuff. Because if you just keep doing more of what works, it will become stale. Exactly. And this is what happens with a lot of these carousels and stuff like that. People say, oh, that engaged better than normal. So I'm going to do another carousel. And then they try something different and they go, oh, that only got half the likes. So I, I'm never going to post that again. I'm only going to post carousels. And then within the carousels, well, that one didn't do so well. So I'm only going to you know, post that type. And, and it becomes very you know, one trick pony. And so that's why it's so important to have the experimentation piece, right? Yeah. Absolutely, you know, drop the stuff which no one cares about. But every week, every month, you know, I'm throwing in a wacky different type of content just to see how people respond. And if they like <laughs> it, well, then it moves up here and I keep doing it for a while until it becomes still. I totally believe you because I did a, I did a post recently called Brush Your Teeth. I don't know if you ever saw that. I did, I liked it. Yeah, and I, I mean, it was really goofy. It was a moment, I mean, it took me 11 minutes to make. And it was explosive. I didn't expect the response, but I mean, it was relevant. It was relatable. And it taught me something new. That sometimes you might keep saying the same thing, like, oh, this is how to be consistent over and over again. But yeah. if you could relate it to people's lives, it makes it a little bit more understandable. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that the word? Yeah, I liked it. It was a good analogy. I remember that place. Thank you. So someone asked how to how does a brand use Instagram Trends app for marketing? Okay, so how do you use Instagram for marketing, I guess, as a brand? Uh honestly, in terms of the threads app, I don't know. I haven't used it. So I, I can't comment on that. In terms of marketing, super broad question. It's very difficult to answer. Um again, I would go back to some of those basics. Um, you know, define your audience, put out content that's going to resonate with them, connect with them via scalable distribution and one-on-one, -on -one, on one, one by one relationship building. Um, you know, get savvy with sales and how to actually connect with them and find product market fit. It, there's a lot, right? So yes. if there's any like more specific questions, we can we can dig in. But you know, learn those fundamentals because it, it's an ever-going journey. It's like I'm, I'm better at selling now than I was a year ago because I'm constantly trying it, the more and, doing you do. it and getting better. Yeah. I think one key tip I always have 
with regards to content is always remember that your potential audience may not know your name. They may not know Tom. They may not know Blessed. But they know their problems. And they're always going to search for their problems and solutions to their problems. So try to include keywords that would, you know, think about what would my potential customer be searching for? What problems would they be searching for? And use yep. that as a funnel to get your first set of people as in with regards to awareness. And then you could use things like, just think of the funnel, right? So awareness, consideration, um, day. Oh, awareness, interest, consideration, uh, yeah. purchase, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So yeah. at the awareness phase, they're looking for their problems. So create content that sort of give them answers to their problems. At the interest phase, they're now interested in you. So still try to have information in your bio or in particular places to let them know who you are and why the hell you're solving their problems. And then in consideration phase, they're comparing you with your audiences and your, con your competitors. So you want to be able to show that you are capable. So things like testimonials could help. Things like, um, I know sometimes we do these things and we don't really know that there is a formula or something. But I mean, we're sharing um, screenshots of what people are saying about us. We're sharing, like people are reposting things that people are saying about us. Things like that are like yeah. testimonials that are giving like extra badge of credit to say this person could be trusted and you should totally do whatever you want to do with them. And mm -hmm. then at the purchase phase, they've purchased, but do you want them to just purchase and go away? Or do you want to keep them in the loop and keep them as part of your community? So you then create things like what Tom is talking about, like a Facebook group or like a newsletter or something. You know, guys, I mean, there are so many ways, but that's just like a more structured way if you wanted like a corporate answer but everything tom said is it. right it's perfect and likewise <laughs> um gosh there's so many questions and we have just nine minutes <gasps> where do i start okay <laughs> I, I i would say i'm happy to keep going but it cuts Aww. you off at, at, at an hour, doesn't it? <laughs> so just that i've been consistent with posting at what point do you think i should start putting out products huh uh, just Some consistent with posting at what point do you think okay um, I mean, it's it's really up to you. So the way I think about it is um, I don't like to sell too early because the whole time I'm building brand, I'm doing the marketing for whatever I sell later. So I know if I just give and give and give and give, um, you know, for a year, then after that year when I sell something, it's going to connect a lot better and I will have built a lot more trust and credibility and relationships compared to if I sold on day one and clearly was just trying to use my audience. This is what one of my previous um, business mentors taught me. He said, you can either use your audience or you can serve them. Yeah. Such a game changer, right? I much prefer to serve, to give value. So when it comes to the selling, it's going to hit a lot harder. That being said, you don't have to wait forever. I've had a lot of students who've been reticent about selling because they think they need to have 100,000 followers. And actually, there's been people that have had a couple of thousand that have started making hundreds of dollars a month, sometimes even thousands, because they connected with their audience, they found a good product market fit for them. Um, so I would say like, you know, maybe you don't want to sell right out the gate. But if you're selling good stuff, that should not be a negative, right? Yeah, you're not selling it in a spammy way. You're not selling people crap stuff they don't want. You're listening to the audience and saying, you have a pain point, you keep asking me about this, I've made this amazing thing for you at a great reasonable price. If you want to buy it, here it is. I've made it super easy. Like, you know, that's a, that's a beautiful thing when it's done well. So 
I think if you want, do it early and, and don't be afraid and, and don't hide behind anything. Sell proudly. Yeah. I mean, if you have a cure to COVID, you'd come out and you'd tell us about it, right? Wouldn't you? So, yeah. same thing. Exactly. Um, next question. If one wants to build a community online, what is the first thing to consider in gaining followers? I think we already answered this. Yeah, define, define what you want those followers to look like because what you don't want is I want followers to get a big number at the top of my profile. It's like, I want the right kind of followers. Should um, we focus on quality or quantity of content? Um, so first of all, I just want to say a huge thank you for all the nice people in the comments. I appreciate you all. I, I'm, I'm like trying to answer and listen and read at the same time, but really, really sweet comments. So thank you. Um, I get this question a lot. So the way I think about it is um, qu quality is much more important than quantity. Yeah. Both is ideal and throw consistency in the mix too because that matters so the dream is you post often you post consistently and you post amazing stuff but if you had to pick one of them the world does not need more crap right so i i would rather that you posted once a week but it was exceptional than 10 times a week but it was garbage yeah the, the caveat to this answer is people don't go from zero to fantastic content. So often you actually have to post a lot of quantity in order to get good. So unfortunately, the answer is figure out a way to do both and realize that quality will not happen at first. So when you're at the start of your journey, quantity is actually the answer with a very relentless endeavor to turn that quantity into quality. Yeah. I know that's quite a convoluted answer, but that's the truth. Oh, no, it's a very clear answer. I'm sure whoever is listening would totally get what you're saying. I mean, quantity is focused on you improving yourself so you can get better. And quality is focused on you giving more to the world and serving. So two different goals, two different things you're trying to achieve. So last question is, is the number of likes and comments an important metric? Not the most important metric. I think it's an indicator, right? So if you're posting stuff all the time, they can be quite telling as to what has connected with your audience the most and, you know, what they've resonated with the most. And that's super useful. So insights do have a time and a place. That being said, again, you don't want to go down the rabbit hole of only chasing them because that's where you become very stale. Seth Godin famously said, if you A-B test everything long enough, it turns into a porn site. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's so true. Like, if I want to get more likes, well, then I can post stuff about puppies or, you know, Donald Trump or some, you know, high engagement issue. That's going to get the likes if I'm like super controversial or posting cute stuff or whatever. Um, but my aim is not to get the most likes or the most comments. My aim is to primarily, you know, build amazing, deep, incredible relationships. And then on the back of that, build a real business. And... Yeah. You know, those things do not have that much to do with the number of likes I get. Okay, so I know I said that was the last question, but I promise this is the last question. <laughs> sure. Who should a brand follow? How should a brand interact to the followers post? Or should they, like, should they interact with the followers post as a yes. brand? And whom yes. should they follow? Uh, well, they should follow their current customers and their ideal potential customers. And yes, they definitely should. 
and they should do it in a way that is of course like value giving not salesy Peaceful. not spammy just uh -huh. good social media etiquette but they should also do it in a way that's in alignment with their brand so i i love it and you'll notice some big companies get a lot of good pr when they nail this because yeah. they they are like in the tweet comment section being hilariously like sassy or something like, like Netflix. that. Netflix, oh my God, I love like Netflix, Netflix exactly. social media. <laughs> Perfect example, right? When you see Netflix interacting with you, uh, you know it's like a social media intern working at Netflix who's behind it. But the fact that the giant Netflix brand is chatting with you, that's something that wasn't possible a few years ago, yeah. right? And it still is hugely impactful. And it's still a very, very underrated tactic for brands especially bigger brands. So I think humanizing your brand and being able to at scale interact with people is enormous because they actually have the budget, right? But like even we, with my company, we've allocated budget where team members will go out and have incredible conversations at scale. If you're Netflix, you could pay a bunch of different interns to go and do this and have conversations with five to 10,000 people a day. And if you're chatting to five to 10,000 potential customers every day and joking around with them and making friends over years, that is an enormous amount of people that are going to be thinking positively of your brand and keeping you front of mind more, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tom. This was amazing. <laughs> that was my pleasure. Oh my God. By the way, I have a very cool announcement that I'm not ready to announce on my feed yet, but let me share with you guys. So we'll be going live with Seth Godin next week, uh, Friday. Amazing. I know. Wow. I know. So excited. I am not sharing this yet on my feed till next week, but I just wanted you special for five people to know that. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much, Tom, for coming. Thank you. This means so a lot nice to me. It was so nice to finally meet you. Thank you so Thank much for you. having me on. I really, really enjoyed that. And yeah. everyone in the comments, like just in incredibly active, incredibly supportive. So every single person watching right now and Aww. on the replay, um, you all mean the world to me. Thank you so much. <laughs> Take care. Bye, guys. Thanks. Blessing. Bye.